Welcome to Storytime with Uncle Reddit, a podcast where I read some of the best posts from across Reddit and around the web. Each episode is a collection of funny content that includes subjects like tales from tech support, entitled parents, choosing beggars, pro-revenge, and more. Today's episode is all about malicious compliance. Change me from hourly to salary to cut my pay? Okay. I used to work as a chef for an owner who liked to micromanage things and was a bit narcissistic. I'd been working there about three years, getting good reviews. Customers loved me, updated the menu, made everything from scratch. People used to think the place was open box, heat, serve food. Quality had gone up. Morale was great in my kitchen. Annual sales went from 850k to 1.4 million about maximum capacity for the space. The increase in sales and income went to the owner's head. He was always spending money on frivolous things and squandering cash. Sound system, stage for the event space, etc. One example, I needed a new auto sham. A used one would have sufficed. Nope, he bought the top of the line one that could be used as a smoker too. 12000 versus what I wanted could be gotten used for 1500 Granted, I enjoyed that piece of equipment which, after I left, they no longer use the smoker function. Years later, I still occasionally get email invoices from a vendor and see they bring in pre-cooked smoked meats now. I was hourly, but then the owner realized during the busy season, I and my sous chef put in 70 to 80 hour weeks. Doing this, he realized I made more take-home pay from his business than he did. At peak times, he would maybe work 40 or 50 hours a week. So to save money, he puts me and my sous on salary, effectively cutting my pay by about $10,000 a year. My sous netted a loss of $2,000 a year, if we were to work at our current level of effort. During all this, the owner is saying he isn't expecting us to work over 40 hours a week, ever. He even has this written into our contracts. So with the extra time off at home with family, it's okay. I still like the job and my staff. During the slower time, this was great. Also, during this time, I had won a local award for my cooking, and the narcissistic owner was not too pleased. He was no longer recognized as the creative force in the kitchen that bears his name, so his meddling and micromanaging increased. It had gone from, it's your kitchen, chop chef, do what you want, to, it's my name and my kitchen, do it this way. Morale and quality began to suffer. Just prior to the holiday season, my Sue wants to go back to his home country for about two and a half months, November and December and January. Peak crazy times for us. I have good help and I'm good with it. Owner approved the time off. Owner, thinking I'm going to save him some money that holiday season by working my usual 70 to 80 hours a week. Nope. Cue the malicious compliance. I start writing the holiday schedule. Sue is on vacation. I have my 40 during key prep times and peak business times. The rest of my staff gets serious overtime. Basically, the Sioux and I carried a lot of the weight in the kitchen and could outperform most of our small staff. So, with Sue on vacation and I only pulling 40 full-time staff is now working 60-ish hours a week, and part-timers are getting 40. Things are running pretty smoothly until the owner realizes I'm not there like I always am during the holiday rush. He's in the kitchen more trying to micromanage my staff, giving them poor advice, contradicting my directions and timing for events screwing up the small parties my staff could handle while I'm off. After a few weeks of this, he realizes he's going to be paying the staff out more in overtime than he saved on moving me and my suit to salary. He starts demanding I work more hours to stop hemorrhaging OT to the kitchen staff. 
I show him my contract where I'm not expected to work over 40 hours a week. Now, he says it's just a guideline. I hold him to the 40 a week. It's Christmas, and now I can for once spend time with my family. Now, with my suit returning, I'm burned out from the constant micromanaging and gaslighting by the owner. I hand the reins to my Sioux and change careers after 25 years in the industry and never look back. Too long didn't read. Micromanaging owner cuts my pay by $10,000 a year to save money due to owner's stupid spending habits. Says in contract not required to work over 40 hours a week. Busy holiday season only work 40. Rest of kitchen staff gets overtime and no money is saved. Unless you've worked front and back of house in a restaurant for many years, most restaurant owners shouldn't even go into the kitchen. They shouldn't try to run the business at all or run whichever side they actually know and leave the rest up to the people that actually know. If I was to open up a restaurant tomorrow, I wouldn't know enough to run front or back, but I can basically run a business. So basically, you hire somebody you trust for the front of house and somebody you trust for the kitchen. Each one has their section, they each run their own, and you kind of manage the whole thing overall. Oh well. And now on to our next story. Only the facilities department can move nameplates. I work in an office with cubicles. Each person's cube has a nameplate near the entry, as it's standard for most offices. Our facilities department is officially in charge of making sure the plates are correct. Ordering new ones when we hire someone new, etc. But they're not very fast at getting this stuff done. At times, when there was reason for someone to relocate from one cube to another, that person would usually swap the nameplates themselves because, well, it's easy. But facilities got mad about this. So it was made official policy that only facilities could move the nameplates. Fast forward a bit and we decided to rearrange the cubes a bit in our department. This included moving cube walls. There were enough empty cubes that we wanted to make some open spaces where people could have impromptu meetings and such. Thing is, some of the walls we needed to remove contained nameplates. Some blank, some not. Remembering that we were not allowed to move those nameplates, we attached strings to the ceiling so that the nameplates would remain exactly where they were, even though there were no longer any walls for them to be mounted to. That would look creepy, all those nameplates just hanging from string from the drop ceiling grid. And our next story. 30 pairs of underwear. I remember a lot of stories from my childhood. For context, my parents are what many define as narcissistic. This is a rather funny example of what they would do on a daily basis. I had just finished watching a movie when my mom came in and asked me when the last time I did laundry was. I looked at her and said plainly, only about a week ago. I had a lot of clothes, so I didn't have to do laundry as often. She scoffed and said, what about your underwear? I'm sure you've been wearing the same pair for months. I tried not to laugh and told her that I changed my underwear every day. Oh, sure. I know you don't have 30 pairs of underwear. She frowned at me. Actually, I do, I said. Then show me, she shouted back. I smiled as she left and did exactly what she said. I got a small box, went into my closet and dresser, and began collecting every pair of underwear I could. After about 15 minutes or so of gathering underwear, I walked out of my room to her and thrust the box in front of her. What's this, she demanded to know. 30 pairs of underwear, just like you asked. I smiled at her. She gave me an icy glare and started counting them one by one. This is only 29, she said when she was done. <laughs> oh, oh, my bad. I smiled and dropped my pants, showing off a bright yellow pair of underwear. <laughs> she never bothered me about laundry after that. 
Oh, dude. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, OP, that was genius. I'm sure at some point I'm going to do something similar to my kids. Say something stupid. I mean, I'm not totally narcissistic, but... And they're going to do some kind of gotcha just like that. You got to laugh. And for our next story, you're not here to think. Ouch. But okay. About a decade ago, I was the new guy at the company. We had people fly in from all over the world to start putting gear together before leaving again for job sites. One of the things I did in my earlier days was pick those people up from the airport, take them to their hotel after work, etc. I pick up a guy who's going to be my boss on an upcoming job. The airport's about an hour from our HQ and hotel if you take the highway and main roads. When I meet him at the airport, he makes a request that I follow the directions on this awesome new GPS app that he's got on his phone. Swears it finds the absolute fastest routes. I'm paid by the hour and I'm the new guy, so sure, no problem. It ends up taking almost 25% longer than the main roads would have, but I'm not bothered. The next day, I'm asked to take him to his hotel. It's a straight shot a few miles down the road, but the road is always stop and go at rush hour. I make a turn off the road almost immediately in order to take a route that I know is faster, and he starts giving me a gentle amount of grief about not listening to his magical GPS app. I get him to the hotel in great time, but he still just won't stop insisting that the main road, which we could see was backed up, would have been faster. Okay, fine. A couple days later, we drive a few hours to our primary job site. The trip is fine. I follow his magic app and we arrive without incident. It's the largest job I've done so far and I admittedly stumble with a little bit of it. Boss tries to give me a pep talk at the end of day one, but it fails miserably. One of the critiques he gave me is, you're not here to think. <laughs> there are engineers on the job and there are techs. I'm just a tech. And I'm told I'm basically there to do the grunt work as spec'd and just listen to what people like him tell me to do. Pretty demoralizing lecture, honestly but I take it to heart. Once the event is over, it's my job to take Bossman back to the airport, which I'd like to remind you at this point is in the city I live in, and not where he's from. We're running a little later than I would prefer to, but he's the kind of guy who would rather get to the airport 15 minutes before his flight boards. And as always, we're using his GPS, which he is still raving about. I don't know if the dude's friend invented the app or something, but he's just seriously fawning over it. Well, we approach what I know is the exit to the airport, but the app says to stay on the highway and take the next exit in a mile or two. So I follow the app, having learned my lesson from the boss, and soon we're stopped dead in a tight, single-lane construction zone. Boss realizes this and starts to panic, and then starts asking if I'm sure I took the right route. The exit I'd normally take for the airport was a little ways back, but the GPS said to keep going. You went past the exit for the airport? His voice raised, but not shouting. I went past an exit for the airport. I calmly replied. I'm sure this one will get us there, but with the speed traffic is moving, I don't know if we'll make your flight. It's already a pretty tight connection. He shouted at me this time. What were you thinking? Since the car was stopped dead, I turned my head so I could meet his eyes and very blankly said, I'm not here to think. If Uber had existed there at that time, I think he would have gotten out of the car with his bag and called for a ride. As it is, I spent the rest of the trip listening to him yell at some poor airline agent about getting his flight rebooked since it was at this point that he wasn't going to get there in time. And the thing is, this really wasn't even malicious on my end. I was just too timid to rock the boat anymore, so I was doing things exactly as I was told. Not my fault that it bit him in the ass. Messing with somebody who lives in the area, who knows the roots, 
all for your GPS. I wouldn't do that. Shoot. Not even today. With as good as Google does on my phone, I wouldn't argue with a guy local from the area. Mm. And for our next story, if you don't like it, you can leave. Worked an entire season at a river lodge as a dishwasher. It was a restaurant and hotel that runs for rafters and fishermen. It was roughly a 45 minute trip from where I lived. All went well enough, and by the end of the year, I'd taken on a bunch of other responsibilities. I knew how things ran, drove around the place moving supplies, shuttled cars over the mountain for the rafting trips, etc. They wanted me back for the next season, but I'd gotten another crappy food service job that was five minutes from my house. They offered to let me come back as a prep cook with a very small raise, but I'd still basically be running around doing anything necessary like at the end of the previous season. I accepted the morning shift and continued working my other new job in the evenings. That meant driving 45 minutes out there at 6am, working until 2pm, then driving 45 minutes back and heading to the other job for a 4 to 10.30 p.m. shift. It was pretty exhausting. I was a zombie. One day, about three weeks into the season, the lodge boss, who'd given me the raise, comes through the kitchen looking for something, sees me and gives me a bit of a weird look, but says nothing. End of the month, I show up to work, go to grab my paycheck. I'm getting the same minimum wage as the previous season. I take it to the boss and say there's been a mistake. She says, nope. It looked like you didn't want to be here, so I didn't want to pay you more. I've been working 15-ish hour days for most of a month. No kidding, I don't look chipper. Yeah, well, if you don't like it, you can leave. So I left. No prep done, nobody else in the kitchen but the cook, so nobody else to prep the food or do the dishes, and this was a pretty busy place. No big immediate suffering for them, but it meant they'd have to hire someone new and invest another full season into getting them up to speed. Yeah, that's not how things work. You make a deal with somebody to come back for a certain job and a certain pay scale, that's what you do. You don't just decide that you're going to pay them less. If somebody's moping around that I hired and, you know, I think they're not being productive and they're just kind of bringing morale down, then they're fired. You know, I'm not going to mess with their pay. Whatever they did work, I pay them that rate that I agreed on. Other than that, you just let them go. Crazy. And for our next story... Not qualified for the promotion? And I'll just do my job. A few years ago, I worked for a furniture store in the back store. My job consisted of unloading and loading trucks, assembling furniture, and placing it on the main floor of the store. After around six months there, my supervisor announced he resigned, meaning his post was up for grabs. I had all the technical requirements, so I applied. But they gave the job to another one of my colleagues who had more experience, which was totally reasonable. After maybe a year, my then supervisor just stopped coming into work for no reason. He just decided he'd had enough and he just left. No two-week notice or anything. So while the director tried to get to him, I took over the role of supervisor. I was the one with the most experience, which means that combined with my regular work, I was now the one telling people what to do, when, and doing the schedule, and all the paperwork for the shipment. Three weeks later, my colleague was officially fired by my director. In those three weeks, I kept doing the job of supervisor and doing it pretty well, so I thought that the promotion would come to me, but my director did nothing. I went to see him, explained what I had been doing, and asked if I got the promotion too, which he answered that I was not qualified nor smart enough to do this job. After some thinking, I just decided that if I wasn't smart enough to do the job, then I shouldn't do it, so I went back to doing my regular job, and I also started looking for something else. Four to five days after I stopped filling in, my director comes to see me in the back store asking why the heck the job isn't being done. 
After all, without me to organize it, nothing was getting out of the store to be delivered to the client. I just reminded him of our previous meeting, and he told me, Yeah, I remembered that. What I meant is you're not qualified to get the pay bonus for the job. You still have to do the job, you idiot. <laughs> I have to admit, I still wonder how he thought that would work. Still a bit dumbfounded, I just told him that if I wasn't going to get paid for it, I certainly won't do the job. And that considering we're already short-staffed with my old supervisor gone, he should be a bit more polite. Apparently, this was an unreasonable request. A total lack of respect to him and worthy of firing me. Yep, still don't get how that would fix anything, but hey, he's the boss. I packed everything and left, knowing that the back store, which needed five people to operate, was now down to three, with the most experienced worker having a total of four months. It only took my boss a day to call me back, telling me maybe he went overboard and that perhaps we could arrange something for the promotion, too, which I replied that I wouldn't be coming back since I had a few interviews lined up. I hung up while he was still cussing at me. After a few months at my new job, I heard some surprising news. The store had closed down after two other backstore employees resigned. Gotta admit that it felt good to see my old boss finally getting what he deserved. Yeah, screw that guy. I love it when people are so insecure that they can't admit that when somebody's doing a good job or when they're needed and things like that. That just drives me absolutely bonkers. You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.